Welcome everyone to episode 148 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Jamie Barson as we discuss whether Liverpool need a new penalty taker and preview this weekend's trip to Newcastle. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to our second midweek podcast of the new season. This is where we like to get into the issues around Liverpool in a little bit more depth. Last week, we talked about the club's pulling power, obviously, after the, the failed deals for, for Caicedo and Lavia. This week, our focus is penalties. And then we'll come on to the game against Newcastle a little bit later. And obviously, this has been prompted by Mohamed Salah's miss against Bournemouth at the weekend. And he did score the rebound to his credit, so it didn't really matter in the end. But it's still important to have this conversation regardless. So... From 2017-18 to 2020-21, Salah only ever missed one penalty for Liverpool. So that's his first, what, four seasons at Liverpool? Only one miss. But since the start of 21-22, he's missed five of the 15 that he's taken. And more recently, of course, he's missed three out of five. So Klopp said... After Salah missed against Arsenal, that he told talks with Salah and then ultimately decided to keep him on pen. Salah responded well by by scoring the next two. But then he missed to start the new season against Bournemouth, like I say. So, Jamie, do you think it's now time for a change to Liverpool's number one penalty taker? And when Mohamed Salah is stepping up for penalties now, is your confidence in him pretty much gone? No, to be honest, I don't I don't think it is. Um and and being completely honest, I would stick with him. I, I, I get the the argument, absolutely, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Alexis McAllister and Dominic Zaboslai. But I get the argument that they're both in the door um, and are kind of have very good records from penalties. But people forget that we let Milner and Fabinho go in the summer and it's and they both had excellent records on penalties. So I don't think their arrival in the squad changes too much. What does change? as you've touched on, is, is his record. And, and it's not good enough. I think everyone knows that. I think that's, that's pretty much spot on. Uh, but I think to change it right now, at the beginning of the season, would still be quite hasty, in my opinion. I think Salah responded quite well, I think, to not being considered as one of the... Well, maybe he was considered, but not being appointed as one of the captain or the vice-captain. I remember the game against Mitsuland three seasons ago. Where, where Trent was made captain ahead of him and that clearly kind of riled him up a bit and got under his skin. And, and he hasn't kicked up a fuss about him not being as one named as the vice-captain or the captain this season. What I think might rile him up too much and not in a kind of a good way that, that you often like to see a strikers get riled up would be taking off penalties because that's realistically, that's five goals a season minimum, you'd like to think, although with our record with getting penalties, maybe it's not. Um, and I think the price you pay of him missing even worst case scenario, or three penalties a season, I think you more than make that up in the goals that he that he scores and that he registers because he still has the, the he still feels he has the backing of the manager. And I think that's too big a, a price to pay for taking off penalties. Let's say he misses the next one, we can have another conversation. But I think start of the season, you keep him on, in my opinion. So you mentioned it being hasty and that it's the start of the season. 
do you think so, so i mean you also said that obviously if if it happens again maybe we discuss it again but what is the point for you where it becomes untenable because i take your point that a brand new season has just started but i do wonder if when it's penalties it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily a case of pushing pushing the reset button from one season to another because it is ultimately the same kind of scenario every time and i just get the sense that anybody else maybe at liverpool maybe at another club if well within reason if they missed three out of five then it feels like the majority of managers would actually be making a change at that point. I mean, w- when does it kind of get to the untenable position for you? Like I say, yeah, no, that that is tricky. I do, I do understand your point. Certainly, certainly, if he misses the next one, we have to have a big conversation. I think. I think if it gets to the point where he misses two of the next three, I think that's also the case. Um, it's difficult to kind of put a number on it like that, and and. With penalties, so much is about feeling, even if they don't go in. And the thing is with Salah is he's never looked, in terms of the way he strikes the ball, he's never looked a particularly kind of confident or adept penalty taker. But as you spoke on before, his record up until the last couple of seasons was very, very good. So the feeling is is quite important. It's it's really difficult to kind of draw a line in a specific place, but certainly I would say if he misses the next one or two of the next three or four, then then I think that's when you start to wonder, is he ever going to rediscover the, the, the penalty form that he had before? And you do have to think really, really seriously about taking it. Yeah, I was going to say when you were given that answer, really, like, I think maybe putting a number on it is too difficult. Maybe it is just about does the player have the confidence does the manager have the confidence really do his teammates have the confidence in him in that scenario and that's obviously a much more difficult thing to measure but is maybe what should really decide it um and i personally i mean i'm maybe a little bit of a, a pessimistic fan at times i mean i, I may be loads of other people like this as well a- anytime i see a liverpool player step up for a penalty I'm not expecting him to score. I'm always thinking the worst. Um, and in fairness, when the opposition takes a penalty, my mind's always like, oh, Alisson's going to save this. And I think he's probably saved, you know, two or something like that during the duration of his whole Liverpool career. But one interesting point you made there in terms of Salah's not always looked like the maybe the cleanest penalty taker. Do you think he could kind of change his technique a little bit? Um, I mean, could could that be a solution here? That isn't changing penalties. Could it be Salah doing things differently? I mean, obviously there's a variation with his penalties, but we tend to see him do the kind of thing where maybe he kind of he stands kind of behind the ball initially, doesn't he? And then he kind of does almost a diagonal run to the side, um, to sort of the 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 furthest away side from the ball if he was shooting at the Anfield Road like he he was the other day, um. And then he kind of comes up and almost sweeps the ball towards goal. Um, do you think, I mean, it's obviously without getting it, maybe into technicalities too much. Could could it be that if Salah does things diff- differently, then that could be enough. That could kind of yield the the results that we, we need to see um, without obviously maybe pronouncing too much judgment on what is the, maybe the right way to take a penalty, I guess. Yeah, potentially. And, and I think... What you'd like to imagine is the case, and I imagine is the case with with such a perfectionist as Salah, is that 
now and maybe even before this, he will be really practicing penalties and 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 this miss in itself, along with the additions of of Sabosla and McAllister, you'd hope will will kind of fuel him to 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 maybe try and change his technique as you spoke on. I think I think um what what I've noticed and I'm sure lots of other people have noticed is that one where he goes down the middle, as we saw against Bournemouth, he 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 does that very, very often. And I think this is probably purely guesswork and anecdotal, but it seems to me that he does that when he kind of wants the sure thing. And so maybe in maybe a high pressure penalty, you think of the Champions League final, for example, high pressure situations, you often see him, as you say, kind of sweep the ball down the middle. And for years, I was surprised that more goalkeepers weren't staying down the middle and especially in those pressure penalties kind of waiting for Salah to make the move rather than than him sending him down the middle and it seemed like no one had caught on and he did that like an awful lot more than any penalty taker I could think of he's ever played for Liverpool and what might be the case now is that after years of doing it keepers has finally started to cotton on and I get that his misses last season they were they were wide so that's kind of not really the point, but certainly, certainly the one against Bournemouth. He, I wonder whether Neto has kind of done his homework a bit better than some of the other goalkeepers. So what we might see is him attempting to go, go for the corners a bit more. I, I know that kind of sweeping, that sweeping diagonal run that you spoke about. Maybe he'll try and change that up. I think this will all be conversations that will be being had in the club, and certainly things that Salah is thinking about himself. Uh, because, as I say, he's such a perfectionist and he'll want to kind of maximise maximize his chances. Yeah, I mean, you see kind of among kind of the best penalty takers in the Premier League, that, I mean, there's something... I mean, a lot of them are, are doing almost a stuttered run-up and I never sort of urge Salah to do that because that, I think, obviously puts kind of the shivers up any fan base, really, to see that um, it is... I think generally quite an effective technique because the keepers do, te- you know, seem to go first before the player actually, you know, gets the ball to strike it. Um, and you know, obviously Harry Kane's not in the Premier League anymore, but you know, kind of watching him, and I think you know, I know we missed that one for England um, at the World Cup, but generally speaking, his ability to kind of put the ball right in the side net and when he took penalties, I think was very impressive. And I think with Salah. Things have maybe felt a little bit more, I mean, erratic is probably a harsh word, but things have just felt a little bit more kind of frantic maybe with his penalties. You know, he has kind of smashed them a lot of the time and it just feels like he he doesn't have, I think, maybe total confidence in himself that, you know, other penalty takers kind of exude in those scenarios. I mean, maybe that's harsh. Maybe that's just kind of revising things based on what we've seen recently. but. I do think in terms of finding a, a compromise and um, one thing, you know, no one's ever going to tell Salah to do things differently. But one thing, you know, like you say, Jamie, you'd imagine he's practicing them a lot with, with the goalkeepers on the training ground. You know, maybe it's time for him to, you know, try things differently, whether, I mean, it's not even just, you know, how he strikes the ball. It's, you know, like we say, how he runs up to the ball, maybe the preparation he has before a penalty. We see, Obviously, clubs want a lot of emphasis on that now. I mean, there's loads of tiny little details that he can try and change, but I think it's clear that if he's going to stay on penalties, he is going to have to change um, some of those. But I want to talk about Sobislav McAllister in a second. But um, 
one last thing on on the Salah side of of this. You you touched on it earlier too. Does Klopp need to be wary of of angering Salah by taking him off the penalties? Because I think there's a possibility that happens. You know, we know we know Salah's status within the squad, um, but it also kind of feels like if you have a meritocratic environment, that shouldn't necessarily be a consideration. And if Salah's not delivering with those duties, you know, Klopp should be like, you know, ultimately, I don't really care if, if it annoys you, you've not done enough to justify being our penalty taker anymore. I mean, how, how do you see that side of it? Yeah, it's tricky. I um, think in an, in an ideal situation, you, you should do things as a kind of meritocracy in this kind of case. And, uh, um, I do think it might be slightly unfair for the for the other players, but to be honest, the reality is Salah's standing in the squad is is no secret. Uh, and while it's not how I agree with doing things, kind of generally, I think he is such a special case that if you if you if you risk kind of angering him in the wrong way, and let, let's have it right, there's a chance you take him off penalties, and he goes, okay, watch this, I'll show you. And he bangs 40 goals a season. Could happen. I don't know what's going to happen. But I think with the with the situation, I think we'll do well this season. But with the situation as it is, still kind of hanging in the balance as to, as to how the squad feels about themselves, how the players feel about themselves, even how Salah feels about himself. I think you risk kind of upsetting the apple cart maybe just a little bit too much at this stage if you start messing around with players kind of very defined roles within the squad, particularly given the fact that we've changed both our captain and our vice captain this season. I think, as I say, it's not really how you should run a squad, generally speaking, but I think Salah is just such a special case. Uh, Same with how we kind of bent our contract uh, kind of structures to, to fit him in, I think, at least for now, you have to kind of do the same with him on penalties. Yeah, I think given that we know Salah's obsession with um, individual awards like the Golden Boot, um, which penalties obviously, you know, can play quite a big part in swaying where that award goes. And maybe some would argue that, and I'd be one of them, that they probably shouldn't count. Like it should just be open play goals for that. Um, I think there's a kind of a strong argument that he would sort of react badly because, you know, we talk so much about how those those awards drive him and it would, I think he'd see it as kind of setting him back quite a lot. Um, and one thing you want to avoid, I think, is the kind of situation, I think we've seen Man City do this, maybe a couple of other teams too, where you kind of rotate in the penalties around the team. You know, whoever... Whatever's going to happen, I think Klopp needs to kind of decisively say Salah's going to stay penalty taker or he's going to back somebody else to do it whenever the decision time comes because I think the uncertainty doesn't tend to lend itself to success. Like you can't have a different penalty taker sort of every every week, every couple of weeks, something like that. So I think that's an important factor in all this. I mean, Salah once said that he hates... The responsibility of taking penalties. I think it was it was an interview with, with uh, Stephen Gerrard for LFCTV, but um, I think that was more kind of he. Uh, that wasn't him implicitly saying, you know, I, I'd rather somebody else do it. I think that was just saying, you know, 
he he does obviously feel the nerves in the situation, and that's natural. But maybe there is somebody else who would potentially relish that role. And we'll come on to a couple of those now. So you've mentioned them already, James, Dominic Sobersly and Alexis McAllister. So so I ran a poll on Twitter before the podcast um, saying, who is your preferred Liverpool penalty taker from now on? Um, and Salah and McAllister both got 31% of the vote. Um, and Sobersly was the winner with 38.1%. Obviously very close. Um, to be fair, when when we had those results, I was like, okay, I've chosen, I've chosen a good topic with this one here because that's obviously very um, split opinion. But if we look at their records, um, start with McAllister. He scored nine out of ten. Um, the only time he missed the penalty against um, Wolves away, he, he then went on to score later in the same game from the penalty spot, which is obviously a sign of character. And last season, only Erling Haaland scored more penalties in the Premier League than him. And then there's Dominic Sobersley, who's got an even better record, 15 out of 16. And to put that in context, that is level with the fifth best penalty taker of all time in the Premier League um, on 93.8%. And that's obviously those who've taken at least 10 penalties. So there's a decent sample size there. So, I mean, hearing those records, Jamie, I mean, I don't know if you're aware of them. I mean, it, there's got to be a compelling case, hasn't there, to, to put one of those two on. And I suppose if if not, if you're still going to kind of stick by Salah, which is obviously fair enough, who out of the two of them would you put in the James Milner role? Because obviously Salah's going to be on the pitch a lot, probably a lot with those players as well, because they're both first-choice players. But say he isn't, which of those two are you looking at and saying, right, they're, they're the new sort of sec- second choice and might get a few penalties themselves? Yeah, um, I would probably, if I were going with with one of the two, I would go Soboslai, um, just purely for the bigger sample size. Uh, what I do, I do have my concerns about his approach is that I don't know if you've seen, but he has this approach where he puts it the same side basically every time, uh, and I wonder whether as he kind of gets more more attention and the Premier League is obviously the most watched league in the world and as he becomes one of the established stars hopefully in uh, a glorious title winning Liverpool side uh, I wonder whether people start to cotton on to that a bit more than than they have done so far and start kind of making special preparations but I mean having said that if you can perfect one approach and just get it right every time then we saw in the uh, in the Carabao Cup shootout where Kepa went one way and I think it was Van Dijk just put it the same way as him just to just to mess with him. I think if you can per- if you can perfect the way that you take a penalty, it almost doesn't really matter which side you put it. Um, so I would go Sobosly, I think, just because of the purely because of the bigger sample size. But uh, I still think I still think I would go with Salah. I think 32 out of 40 is his record overall. So it's it's more than double. Uh, Soboslai and it's four times as many as McAllister in terms of pet penalties taken uh, and so just purely for that and I, I get the recent form thing but you never know maybe maybe Soboslai misses three of his next five maybe McAllister misses three of his next five and then suddenly the, the stats look very very different but if it was between Soboslai and McAllister I think I'd go Soboslai Yeah I mean if 32 out of 40 I'll just put it through the um the calculator there, which to be fair, I didn't need to do because it's a pretty simple sum. Um, I think that was 80% of um of Salah's penalties. 
that he scored. And I think it's 75 is kind of the seen as the benchmark for, for a penalty because they, the XG of a penalty is roughly that. Um, so, in fairness, key point across his whole Liverpool career, very good record. But I, I guess the question is, has he kind of reached a place now where he's lost confidence with it? And that is, I suppose, where it's going to be difficult for Klopp. I mean, we'll move on to Newcastle in a second. I realise I've kind of ducked the question myself so far in terms of who who I'd have. Um, to be honest, I think I think if Klopp feels, and obviously he's seeing it behind the scenes every day, and he has he knows Salah a lot better than we do from the outside, if he feels that he can make the change without kind of overly angering Salah to the extent that he's going to disrupt the squad dynamics, then I think the time has probably come now just to give somebody else kind of the the opportunity to do it and and see how see how they fare. Just because I think three of five is, you know, concerning and obviously a couple more missed since the start of last season too. Um and given that they had talks recently over the penalties and Salah's now gone and missed another one. It just, to me, feels a little bit like the time may have come. Um, and if Liverpool get a penalty at the weekend and you've got like sort of gone to my head now, I think I'd probably rather see Sobosly step up than Salah just about. But again, it's very difficult to call. And I suppose that's why the poll was, um, was so tight. Um, as it was. Do you go Sobosly over McAllister then? I would. I mean, I think it's valuable that obviously McAllister's, you know, put up that record um, in the Premier League against, you know, some of the best goalkeepers. And in fairness, you know, I've written an article about his penalties. You know, the variety of his placement is is exceptional um, and, his, and the quality of his execution too. And also, I think, you know, there was a penalty against Man United last season in April one. or May. One, yeah, in the in stoppage time to win the game, ninety ninth minute or something, and that was just pure coolness. Yeah. Which again, I think is a very compelling case. I mean, you just look at the numbers alone, and yeah, it looks like Sobosly every day of the week. But I think in context, McAllister has got a very strong show too. So really, either of them, I think, I think they might be thinking to themselves privately now. Okay, you know, give me give me a shot next time, and I'd probably be inclined to to try it out. But equally, if it does stay on Salah, then I don't think it's a a terrible decision by any means. Anyway, let's move on to the game against Newcastle at the weekend. Um, obviously, it's got the feel of a, a very big game. Liverpool's first uh, couple of away trips this season have, have been kind of big hits, as you'd have to say. Um, the first thing I want to ask w- with this, Jamie, is, you know, we talk about, we've looked at the big six mini league for years now, you know, Liverpool's record away against the big six, things like that. I mean, for you, is this now the big seven and is this now I suppose in that kind of bracket of you know the toughest away games all season I mean if you had to rank where Newcastle away figures in the toughest at the moment where, where would you put it? High very high uh, just going through them in the top over the, off the top of my head I think I think this is a harder game than Stamford Bridge probably at least for now maybe we won't be saying that by the end of the season but Certainly when the fixtures came out, I was looking at this one as, as the trickiest of the start. Um, I'd, probably, I'd probably put it probably below, below Arsenal, below City, not above Spurs, uh, 
probably below United. Um, but make no mistake about it, it, it's it's really it's a really really tough game. It's a really really tricky game. I think that unfortunately Newcastle are kind of here to stay and and will only kind of grow and grow. Obviously, last season they probably developed a bit quicker than most people would have expected. But I don't really see them regressing now. I think they've made some really smart signings. I think Hall from Chelsea is a really, really solid acquisition. So, yeah, make no mistake about it, this is going to be a, a really, really tough one. I I think it's the the big seven era as well, to be honest. Um the level of resources Newcastle have, I think, just means that they are they're just not going to go anywhere. You know, they've established themselves now, and I think kind of getting their foot in the door to the Champions League so quickly, I think, is only going to solidify that, I suppose. And uh, even if I don't necessarily expect them to finish in the top four this season, um, and again, obviously, top five might be enough for Champions League, but I think they will maybe drop one or two places this year. I just think that they are now kind of right up there with the rest of those teams. And I think it's going to be quite a regular sign now to see them finishing above members of, you know, that established big six that, we, that we've seen previously. Um, and in fairness, I still think, you know, the squad is arguably the weakest out of those seven teams, arguably. But, you know, how has, has done... I suppose, an exceptional job in just being able to extract the most from kind of players like Joel Linton, you know, I mean, players who were there who were kind of looked pretty average, but as now he's kind of taken to, to new levels and made them quite important parts of the team. I mean, that's the thing with this Newcastle side is you've got kind of these really expensive players surrounded by players like Almiron, you know, Fabian Cher, Joel Linton, who were kind of there previously and not really doing all that much and now are kind of key elements of this side that is you know going into the Champions League so um so I think even in spite of that you know I do think that the the big six thinking needs to change now um uh, because we've seen maybe clubs disrupt disrupt it before and fade after one season but none of them had the, the resource of Newcastle essentially um so in light of that and I'd agree with you that it's probably the fourth toughest at the moment after probably got City first United second Arsenal third in terms of how difficult away games are at the moment. So we're talking about probably the fourth toughest match all season um, in that regard. What's your kind of confidence levels like? I mean, it's hard to get a read on where Liverpool are fully at at the moment. But yeah, how are you feeling ahead of this one? Um, I'm feeling positive. I think it's been, I think it's been a really pretty solid start to the season. I'm not going to say beyond my expectations, but I think this is. I would certainly would have taken the, the points and the results that we, we we've got so far. Having said that, I think I'd probably take a point at Newcastle as well. Um, I think, as you say, fourth toughest game of the season. The way I see it, if we're hopefully going to be kind of directly challenging with them, maybe even above them, but let's see. Um, but the way I see it is, if we go to their place and they can't beat us then we're kind of advantage Liverpool to, to a certain extent. They still have to come to Anfield uh, and I back us to beat them there. It's difficult when we had such a such an awful season last season and we beat them home and away. It's quite hard to, to kind of gauge where we are in terms of playing against them and especially in that 
that Anfield game, there was so much kind of needle and so much bad feeling between the two clubs that you start to think about a kind of, I don't want to say a rivalry because we all know how City fans have kind of pushed the Liverpool City rivalry when maybe at least for a few years it certainly wasn't there. So I don't want to say we've got a rival with, rivalry with Newcastle, but I want to beat them for more than just the three points. I don't like them. Uh, I don't like where they stand in football and I don't like how they play their football, certainly in the, in the bigger games. Um, but having said that, they're a great football side uh, on the ball. Uh, they've got so many good players. I think Isaac really does scare me. Uh, so it's so difficult to gauge, but I'm I'm taking a point. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, five points out of nine at the start of a season always sounds a bit underwhelming. But I suppose if you, if you looked at the actual fixtures um, themselves, then you'd think it's it's all right. And um, it's hard to kind of talk like we have about. Oh, this is the fourth fourth toughest game Liverpool have all season, and then you kind of saying, "Oh, but I wouldn't take a point." Um, it would kind of wouldn't really seem to stack up that way. I think. I mean, I watched them against City last week and wasn't that impressed. Just in the sense that, I think they had like a decent amount of possession, you know, probably more than I thought they'd have, which I think was kind of a big thing I was watching out for because it was like. Okay, can this Newcastle team play football at the level of of the best now, um, or is it going to be when it faces you know the top top teams? Is it going to be still a team that kind of has to concede the ball a bit and play on the counter? So I mean, they had like a decent amount of the ball, but they just didn't really, you know, there was a couple of openings that they could have done better with, but they just didn't really manufacture kind of any any real big opportunities in the game. Um, I think this one is going to be very different. Obviously, Liverpool aren't at the level of City at the moment. Um, Newcastle are home, and the atmosphere is going to be um, one of the best that you'll probably see at St James's Park all season as well. Um, so, all the ingredients are there for a very tough match. And I didn't watch the game against Aston Villa, but obviously, I saw the highlights, and that was a pretty brutal illustration of what's going to happen when your high line against Newcastle isn't executed properly, whether that's in terms of players not being in line or players not putting pressure on the ball in front. You know, that is Liverpool don't need to look any further than that for kind of a pretty stark warning, basically. Um, And having said that, I think they can cause Newcastle plenty of problems themselves too. We saw that last year. They scored two of the best goals they scored all season um, at St. James's Park. So I think... um, Maybe the potential's there, given the attacking firepower that both teams have. You know, you mentioned Isak there. Looks up for a very big season. Um, it could be a, a high-scoring uh, high scoring affair. So, let's just finish up by talking about um, how Liverpool will line up. Just quickly, Jamie, before I get your team, um, thoughts on McAllister's red being overturned? Maybe positive surprise on that one? Yeah, I think... The only surprise, and to be honest, it is still a surprise, is that kind of common sense kind of came through in the end. I I did wonder whether, particularly with the individuals who were involved in making the decision in the first place, whether the the the, the PGMOL or whoever decides this um, would just kind of back their guys to the hill. And I'm really kind of pleasantly surprised that they haven't, which kind of sh- shows you the kind of confidence in the refereeing at the moment. I think we ended up in a situation last season where uh, 
through kind of not really our fault, but also we played up to it a little bit. It did feel like the club and in particular Klopp were, were really at war with the referees and and that shouldn't influence the way that the referee judges and, and referees a game. But to be honest, I think it did. And I think we were starting to see kind of strange there's I don't know. I don't there's I'm not gonna back some kind of crazy conspiracy theory, but I think people are human and if someone's just screamed in your face then maybe you're not going to look too kindly on favouring them the next the next five minutes later or whatever. There's not some sort of grand conspiracy. So I'm glad, and I hope the club do the same, uh, that this almost seems to be a kind of like a, not a truce, but just like, okay, things got ridiculous last season. Neither of us need to be kind of shouting at each other like, like we were. Let's start this season on a kind of much friendlier footing, and I'm kind of pleasantly surprised that they've done that. Yeah, definitely, and um, it's one of them. Like the more I saw the incident, the more I saw kind of ex officials come out and say it's not a red card. I started to become more hopeful, but it was still a little bit of a a shock when I saw that it had actually been overturned and overturned quite quickly as well. Like I wasn't sure when the verdict was going to arrive, but it's hope it's thankfully come at a time where Liverpool can really prepare for this game at the weekend with McAllister in the team. Um, so in light of that how do you want to see Klopp line up for this one I expect that my lineup is pretty much exactly the same as everyone else's but I'll I'll, I'll read it so obviously Alisson in goal Trent, Canate, uh, Van Dijk Robertson, obviously Trent in, in the kind of hybrid role mm-hmm. Endo I think should get his first start, I don't really see any reason why not uh, McAllister now that he's back I think will bring kind of Excellent kind of control over the game from a, from a more advanced position. So Boslai, Salah on the right, Diaz on the left. And I suppose maybe the, the only real talking point, as far as I'm concerned, is is whether you go Gakpo or Jota through the middle. And I would think I would probably go Gakpo just for a bit more control over a really kind of tricky game. So that's the only the only area where there's a little doubt in my mind, because obviously Jota... Just was great against Bournemouth. It was brilliant, uh, and he can always nick you that goal out of, out of nothing. But I think I would start with Gakpo. Yeah, I think um, exactly the same. To be honest, um, across the board, Endo, I agree, should be ready to start, and I'd also go with uh, with Gakpo. Thankfully, moving out of midfield, um, I just think that he, his all-round contribution is slightly edges that of Jota. And I'm excited to see McAllister getting to play, not only coming back into the team, but getting to play now. We'll see the reason why we signed Endo, you know, just to get him um, in his preferred role and get hopefully the team feeling balanced. And the one thing I would say is, talked about how difficult the game is, this is Liverpool's strongest team at the moment. There might be further additions, we don't know. Um, but maybe some were put by Setich in there. Either way, it's pretty much the best side um, that we've currently got. And so... I think this is going to be quite a good gauge of, of where Liverpool are at, basically, um, and whether they're going to be pushing on towards maybe looking upwards in the table or whether they're just going to kind of be looking sideways at those other teams in, in the big seven, like we say. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it there for this episode. Thanks very much, Jamie. Um, remember, if you enjoyed it, please do give us a five-star review on Spotify or on Apple. We had another one this week, which we're very grateful for, so please do keep them coming if you're enjoying it. And also remember, you can email us, redzonerestrictedpodcast at gmail.com, as well with any thoughts or questions. 
And yet we'll be back at the weekend after Liverpool's game against Newcastle with our match reaction. So we'll see you then.